And we're looking as as uh, as we continue on in that, we're looking at Psalm number three this morning. Um, so uh, let me encourage you, uh, if there's a Bible in front of you, to pick it up and open it at page 544. Uh, and it just will be helpful to have uh, the words in front of us as we walk through this psalm together this morning. It's Psalm number three on page 544. And the little title at the top of the psalm, it says, A Psalm of David, when he fled from his son Absalom. O Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. Salah. But you are a shield around me, O Lord. You bestow glory on me and lift up my head. To the Lord I cry aloud, and he answers me from his holy hill. Salah. I lie down and sleep. I awake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear the tens of thousands drawn up against me on every side. Arise, O Lord, deliver me, O my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on all your people. Amen. And we know that God will bless the reading of his word to us this morning. So let me ask you, do you ever feel under attack? Do you ever feel under attack physically or mentally, emotionally or spiritually? Because if you do, then this psalm is a psalm for you. And you know, I reckon that we all feel under attack in one way or another at some time. So God has something to say to us from this psalm, all of us, each of us. He has something to say to us this morning from Psalm 3. So listen up and see what that might be as we walk through this psalm together. Because this is a psalm from which we can draw God's comfort and hope, his strength and his grace to get us through those times of trouble. The first thing we see from verses 1 to 2 is that King David is a man with concerns. He is a man with concerns without and within. He is under attack from external forces and he's under attack within as well. He's a man with concerns. It tells us this this is a psalm of David when he fled from his son Absalom. This event, David fleeing from Absalom, it's described in 2 Samuel chapter 15. You can read about it there. The year is around 1000 BC. And David was the king of Israel at the time. Now Absalom was David's third son. And Absalom, well, he had got a bit big for his boots. And he wanted to take over the kingdom of Israel. So Absalom, he started to gather around himself followers. Thousands of followers started to gather around Absalom. And he mounted a rebellion against his father. And it was a rebellion that that caught David by surprise. So much so that that we read in, in 2 Samuel that David had to flee from his home in Jerusalem. He fled barefoot and weeping 
He fled across the river Jordan and he sought refuge in the wilderness on the other side. So King David, at the time of writing this psalm, King David is in hiding. He's in hiding, his life is under threat and the rebellious army is out there hunting him down. So that's the context within which David wrote this psalm. And he cries out in verse 1, O Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? O Lord, you see, David comes to the Lord with his concerns. David knows where to start. O Lord, that's always a good place to start, coming to God with our concerns. Because David knows where his help will come from. You see, his enemies have been multiplying and how many are my foes, he writes. How many rise up? He emphasizes that. They're they're multiplying. They're many. And it feels like his foes are everywhere and that he's under attack from all sides. And his foes, yes, are those actual thousands of soldiers hunting him down to kill him. But his foes are also those anxious thoughts about what's going to happen to him as he tries to survive in the wilderness on the run. His foes are the enemy without, those other guys, and his foes are the enemy within his own anxious thoughts and concerns and worries. And you see, we see from this psalm that the life of the faithful, well, it's not always rosy in the garden. It's not all beer and skittles, as one friend of mine would say. It's just not. The life of the faithful is not a life free from troubles and trials and tribulations. It's not. David is under attack from from without. And perhaps that's you this morning. Maybe there is a person or people out there who who are attacking you in a sense. They're making things difficult for you. Maybe at home. Maybe at work. Or in your neighborhood. Perhaps bullying. Telling lies about you. Making things awkward for you. Stirring it up. And they're causing you great concern. Well, if that's you, then this is a psalm for you. We see that David is also under attack from within. He cries out to God, O Lord, O Lord, can't you just feel his anguish? He's in a place of mental and emotional distress. He's not sure what's going on. He's away from his family, he's away from his friends, he's away from the comfort and familiarity and security of his home in the palace in Jerusalem. And he's wandering now in the wilderness, in the desert. What a change to his circumstances. What a shock to the system. You see, everything was going swimmingly there in Jerusalem and all was well, and then boom, this. He's under attack. He's far from everything that's familiar to him. Tragedy has struck. The carpet has been pulled from under him. Everything's changed. And maybe that's you this morning. Maybe that's how it feels for you today. Maybe things were were going well, all running smoothly. And then, boom, an illness, maybe a bereavement, maybe a job loss, a home repossessed, 
a breakdown in a relationship. And everything has changed. You feel like the carpet's been pulled from under you. If that's you, then this psalm is for you. David is under attack from, from without and within. But, but look, he, he, verse 2, many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. You see, David is not only under physical attack and emotional and mental attack, but he's also under spiritual attack. His enemies are not only mocking David, but they're mocking his God and they're mocking his faith. And, and they say to him, your God will not help you. He is not trustworthy. Your God is not trustworthy. He is not there. Your faith is useless. And maybe you can identify with with this this morning. Perhaps people in your family, in your workplace, in your university, mocking your God. People saying your God is not trustworthy. Your God is not there. Your faith is useless. Do you ever hear things like that anywhere? Because if you do, then this is a psalm for you. The book of Psalms is is like Israel's combined prayer and hymn book. And in the book, there, there are five different types of psalms, generally speaking. There are laments, some for individual use and some for corporate use. There are hymns of praise, again, some for individual and some for corporate use. And there are psalms for royal occasions. And it is thought that during the time of of the temple in Jerusalem, when when someone found themselves in the the place of wanting to express a a particular emotion or a particular need, they would go to the temple and and they would speak to the priest and and he would would kind of lift them down an appropriate psalm and offer to read it for them and pray it with them. A psalm that would fit their need. And Psalm 3 is a personal lament. So when someone found themselves under attack, they they would go to the temple, and this is one of the psalms that the priest would offer to read to them, to pray with them, to help them through their difficult circumstances. So whenever we're under attack, when we're feeling under attack, this is a psalm that we too can turn to. This is a psalm that we too can pray, a psalm that we too can draw comfort and hope and strength from, as God's people have done for thousands of years with this psalm. And it's a psalm that's divided into three sections and, and after each section is this little selah. And selah is a word that means to, to stop, to, to ponder what we've just read, to ponder what we've just heard. <clears throat> and, and that might be a way that you want to use this psalm in your personal devotions, to, to read it a section at a time, to ponder to meditate on that part. O Lord, how many are my foes, how many rise up against me. Many are saying to me, God will not deliver him. That's the situation. Concerns without and within. And then we move to the next section of the psalm, verses 3 to 4, where David declares, he declares his confidence in the Lord. Oh yes, his enemies are many. They are attacking him. Inside and out. But then comes a but. And it's a big but. But you. But you are a shield around me, O Lord. 
But you are a shield around me, O Lord, and that makes all the difference. That makes all the difference for David and it makes all the difference for us. Because here David starts to acknowledge the reality of God's protection. You see, we we think of a shield, when we think of a shield, we think of something to to hold out in front of us or around the side of us or uh, to, to, to protect ourselves from the enemy. But the idea, the kind of shield that David has in mind here, it's for a shield that brings not one-sided protection, but all-sided protection. Look at his words. You are a shield around me, O Lord. God is not just a shield in front of him or behind him or beside him or above him. God is a shield all around him. You see, God's protection is before and behind, above, below, without, within. What a shield our God is for us, his people. David declares in Psalm 28, he said, The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and I am helped. God protects his people. God protects all who trust in him. And his protection is complete, completely surrounds us. You are a shield around me, O Lord. You see, David knows that God has has the ability to to foil any attack from the enemy. He knows that God can shield him from every evil intention of his foes, and he knows that God can protect him from his own doubts and fears. God is a shield all around. And then David goes on, verse 3, he says, You bestow glory on me and lift up my head. Here David declares the hope of God's personal touch, that personal lifting up of the head. He said that, 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 God know, that, he, that he knows that God will not let him, his humiliation last, but he will again bestow glory upon him. You see, Absalom has brought David humiliation, but God will bring David glory. And his trust is in God alone. For he says, you are a shield around me, O Lord. You bestow glory on me and lift up my head. God will defend him. And God will do it with a personal touch, a lifting up of his head. David knew that God could deliver him from all that discourages, all that disappoints, and all that depresses. God is the one who lifts up heads. And notice that, that, that David is not only concerned with God touching his situation, but David knows that he's a, he's a God who will give him a personal touch at this time in his life. Because that's good for us. We need to recognize it. Because many times we ask God to, to change the situation. We're in a crisis and we want him to change the situation. But you know, more often than not, God touches us and, and changes us. And helps us through the situation. Through the valley of the shadow. And in doing so he draws us closer to himself in the process. Notice that David says you are the lifter of my head. And we can see from here where where the root of our anxiety is sometimes too isn't it? It's in our heads. It's in our thinking. And God is concerned with what's going on in our heads. And that's why he calls us in Psalm 1 that we read last week to to meditate on his word day and night. That's one way we receive God's help as we meditate on his word. 
For when we meditate on his word, when we get that into our heads, then when we realize his power and his love and his sovereignty and his faithfulness and his promises, then we know there is, there is no hopeless situation for the Christian. Be that a family situation or health or financial or job, there is no hopeless situation for the Christian. But there can be hopeless thinking, can't there sometimes? You see, David cried out for what we need many times, for God to lift our heads, for God to lift our thoughts, lift our thinking. Because when we're feeling down, then downward thinking can come too easy to us. In the midst of difficulty, disappointment and and discouragement, well, downward thinking can come too easily. But David calls out in this hope-filled declaration that God, God is the lifter of my head. God is the one who answers us with a transforming touch that might not always change our situation, but it does change us. And it does change our outlook and it brings us faith and hope to face the challenges. And then David goes on in verse 4. To the Lord I cry aloud and he answers me from his holy hill. David is confident that the Lord will answer him. And therefore, in the final section of the psalm, David is able to express his his certainty of deliverance. His certainty of deliverance. Verse 5, David says, I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. You see, when David wakened in the morning, his first thoughts were of the Lord and his protection. God was at work even while David slept. But look, David is not a man who lies in bed all day. No, for it tells us in Psalms that the mornings are important to David. We see in Psalm 5, David says, In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before you and wait in expectation. And in Psalm 108, David writes, My heart is steadfast, O God. I will sing and make music with all my soul. Awake, harp and lyre. I will awaken the dawn. Here's a man who's up before the sunrise. Here's a man who's up to waken the dawn. You see, for David, every day, first things first. First things first. And that first thing is praising God presenting his prayers before him and waiting on the Lord. This challenges us, doesn't it? What about us? Do we start our day with praise and prayer and waiting on the Lord? Do we get the first thing first? Because, you know, that's another way that we receive God's help through our troubles By spending time with him in his presence, in praise and prayer, in the morning, first thing. And you know, the more we draw on his strength in that way, then then the more, uh, as we go through our day, the more we would be able to join with David in saying, as he does in verse 6, I will not fear the tens of thousands drawn up against me on every side. God has sustained David through the night. His first thoughts in the morning are of the Lord. Praising him, praying to him, being reminded of who God is and what he's like, and therefore David will not fear. 
And in verse 7, then he, he gives this great, Arise, O Lord, deliver me, O my God. For, for, for just as many enemies have risen up against him, so now he calls on his Lord to rise up to. To rise up and deliver him from them. And this prayer, Arise, O Lord, this is the same prayer that Moses prayed as he led the children of Israel out in victory over their enemies as they moved into the promised land. And David knows Moses is God. David knew that the God of Moses who gave victory in the past was his God and would give him victory now. And we know that Moses' God is our God. And we know that David's God is our God. And you know, God who delivered the Israelites from the hands of, of Pharaoh and the God who delivered David from the hands of Absalom, he will also deliver us from the hands of our enemies. And he will deliver us ultimately right into the promised land forever. Into the fullness of all his glory and grace forever. You see, David, David speaks from knowledge. He knew that God had been faithful to his people throughout history. And David speaks from experience. When he cried to the Lord in the past, the Lord had answered him. You know, in the midst of our troubles, it's good too. It's good for us to look back and see how the Lord has been faithful through all generations. To read in the Bible of how God has been faithful to his people through the Old Testament and through the New Testament. To read some biographies of how God has been faithful to his people ever since. Because that's another way that God helps us through our difficulties by reminding us of his faithfulness to his people, including to ourselves over the years. Read about it. Remember it. Give thanks for it. And be strengthened and inspired by it. But what are we lovely Christian people to make of David's plea for God to strike all my enemies on the jaw and break the teeth of the wicked? Well, you'll pardon the pun, but it struck me that what David is asking for here. Well, in a day and an age when destroying the enemy was all the rage, King David is not calling for his enemies to be destroyed. He is calling for them to be disarmed. His call is, is not offensive, but is defensive. His call is for release from the jaw of the enemy. It's not a call for vengeance. Strike them on the jaw and break their teeth. Disarm them. And this is a very gracious call from David, isn't it? It's not destroy them. It's simply, Lord, would you disarm them? Would you just defend me? Just disarm them. It's not a call for vengeance. Lord, I'm not calling on you to destroy my enemies. Defend me from them by disarming them. Make them harmless. And you know, David knows that God will. For in verse 8, he writes, From the Lord comes deliverance. David has no doubt about where his help comes from, and neither must we be. Deliverance comes from the Lord. 
And David is sure of this for, for this sentence. It's not a plea or it's not a question. This is simply a statement of fact. David has known God's deliverance in the past and, and he was certain that, God, that he would experience it again. And he did. He did. For 2 Samuel chapter 18 records for us that, that Absalom and his rebel army were defeated by David in the battle of Ephraim's wood. And 2 Samuel 19 tells us then of the victorious re-entry of King David into Jerusalem as king. David's deliverance did indeed come from the Lord. But take note of one last thing before he finishes. David calls for God's deliverance, not just for himself, but he calls for God's blessing on all his people. You see, he is not only seeking his own well-being, but the well-being of all the people of Israel. For David's last little refrain there is, may your blessing be on your people. May your blessing be on your people. For you see, the man or woman of faith is interested not only in their own well-being, but in the well-being of their entire faith community. And so as God delivers us from our enemies, from our troubles, so we will in turn want to help others in our church and in our community through theirs. You see, this is another way that God helps us through our troubles. This is another way that God helps us to fend off enemy attack. As we encourage and support and love one another prayerfully and practically then as a church, as God's people. Together, we will know his blessing. We will know his deliverance. Oh, you see, David, who experiences God's grace, who is delivered by God's power, he becomes a channel of God's blessing. And so may it be so with us too. In all our dealings with one another, within our church and within our community. As I finish, do you ever feel under attack? Physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually? Then Psalm 3 is a psalm for you. And, and it's a psalm that, that we can turn to any time. We can turn to it any time to receive afresh God's comfort and hope, His strength and His grace, and find that as we trust in Him, from the Lord comes deliverance. From the Lord comes deliverance. Shall we pray for a moment together? <clears throat> Let's just take one of those little Salah moments to ponder and to reflect in the silence in God's presence on what he's been saying to us from this psalm here this morning. O oh God, you are the author of peace and the lover of concord. To know you is eternal life, to serve you is perfect freedom. Defend your servants in every stress and danger, that we may trust in your defense and not fear the power of any adversaries, within or without. And Lord, help us to be like David, to present our, our concerns to you, to have confidence that you will answer us and to know of the certainty of deliverance. For we pray in the power of the Spirit, in Jesus' name and for your glory alone. Amen and amen.